one last time. Fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are continuing our miniseries, Webhead Summer, covering every Spider-Man film. We will fully spoil today's film, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Emmett, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you, Wade? I am doing all the better for having rewatched this film. It's great. It's even better than I remembered. Yeah, it is. It is even better than I remembered it being as well. I finished watching it this morning. Me too. It was, I forgot how, how, just how it hits so hard in all of the different spots that you want a good uh, superhero movie to hit. You know, great action, great emotional scenes, the tragedy, the comedy, it's all there. Absolutely. Uh, Today we're talking about, as we said, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I always thought a little bit of a clunky title. I kind of wish it could just be called Into the Spider-Verse or Spider-Verse or something. Yeah. But I'm sure it's like something where like they lose a hundred million dollars if the word Spider-Man is not in the title, you know? Yeah. But anyway, it was released December 14th, 2018 by Sony pictures this is the animated movie the first animated movie in the spider-man series if you uh have not seen this one before it has three directors the first is peter ramsey who directed the animated film rise of the guardians he is now making his live action directing debut on the ahsoka disney plus tv show whoa the other two directors are Bob Perchetti and Rodney Rotham, who both made their debuts with this film. Rothman also co-wrote the script with Phil Lord of Lord and Miller, who produced this film. They are sort of the main creative impetus behind this movie. This movie started by Sony asking Lord and Miller if they were interested in making an animated Spider-Man movie. Um, And it was their idea to do the adapt the spider-verse comics by dan slott from 2014 to have miles morales as the lead they are the duo who directed and wrote cloudy with a chance of meatballs 21 jump street the lego movie 22 jump street and solo a star wars story uh until they got kicked off for for making a comedy but more on that someday in the future anyway I love these guys. You know, I think the Lego movie is a classic. I think 22 Jump Street is a classic. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is a classic. The script and the production work on this is great. Absolutely. This movie kicks ass. It really does. A big part of that is the score, which is by Daniel Pemberton, um, who's actually relatively fresh into composer work, but he also did Birds of Prey, another good recent superhero movie. This runs one hour and 57 minutes, had a budget of $90 million, made $375 million, which is good. It definitely made back its budget, but I think it's the lowest grossing Spider-Man movie and definitely not, not great for a Christmas movie either. I remember this was more of a word of mouth like mm. critical darling Netflix hit sort of movie than a yeah. like gigantic smash at the box office. 
But it was acclaimed, as we said, 87 on Metacritic. It is by far the best reviewed Spider-Man movie by those metrics. And it won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars that year. Hell yeah. One of only six movies not made by Disney or Pixar to do so ever. Emmett, uh, we've seen a lot of Peter Parker movies. So what is this Miles Morales movie like? Oh, it's a breath of fresh air. Like, this is such a cool Spider-Man. This is such a, a wonderful introduction to the character, introduction to the world. I thought about how, like, all of the points of the origin story are hit, but they actually just make the movie just the origin story, which I think is cool. You know, it's like... Like the whole leading up to having the uncle die and like having the moment of responsibility and like saving everybody being the origin thing without it being like first half, we're going to kill off the uncle. And then in the second half, we're going to have the real bad guy come in. You know, like I think we've seen Mm -hmm. in a couple of these other ones really just quite wonderful. I love Miles. He's still got the same spider-man thing of being a a nerd uh he's a really smart kid he goes to like an elite school but this spider-man also is like going out and spray painting and like has a a cool uncle who may or may not be on the wrong side of the law Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just it just it just seems like a cooler thing also i want to talk about the fact that his dad is a cop named jefferson davis i saw in the scrolling of the titles i was like that's wild Mm -hmm. his dad is like a black latinx cop in brooklyn named jefferson davis which is just like that's saying something i'm not sure what exactly but it is a wild choice you know is there a real life jefferson davis the uh, president of the confederacy Oh, wow. Uh, Which is like a pretty serious, you know, like a pretty serious symbol, some sort of symbolic thing going on there. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. He's younger than Peter. He goes to middle school. I feel like they both seem very slightly older than they are, especially Gwen. Because I think Mm. that in this, Miles is 13 and Gwen is 14 Mm -hmm. is how old they're supposed to be. Yeah, he has this thing where his dad is a cop, Jefferson Davis, and then his dad's brother, Aaron Davis, is a criminal, the Prowler. And it's sort of this classic hero thing of like the cop and the criminal and the kid who takes the best of both of them and becomes his own thing with it. I think it's very, you know, it's it's all classic hero stuff, but it's all feels very fresh and very well done. Yeah. We should mention, so the Prowler is played by Donald Glover in Spider-Man Homecoming. This is a much more capable version, I think, of him we see here. Mm, But here mm -hmm. he's played by Mahershala Ali, Mm. um, who I believe is watching Donald Glover and Community on the TV at one point, which is a fun little call out. But uh, yeah, it's Mahershala Ali as the Prowler and Brian Tyree Henry as his dad and along with everyone else in this movie, like incredible vocal performances. And then we've got this crew of other spider people, spider 
folk of many different <laughs> dimensions, <laughs> one of which is a pig. So I don't yes. even know. Is uh-huh. Spider Pig a spider person or is, <laughs> is Peter Porker his, his own special sort of thing? Spider people from several different dimensions, which is all funny, but also just like wild and cool in different ways. We've got the Nicolas Cage noir spider. Mm-hmm. We've got the Penny Parker anime spider mm-hmm. with the mech. We've got the Gwen Stacy spider girl spider who's got such a cool outfit. The pink and white spider She's kind spider of like outfit. She's so in a cool. band. Yeah. Yeah. Punk rock Spider-Man. Then Peter Porker. Then sad Spider-Man. And is there another? <laughs> is there another? There's it's got to be at least one more, right? Well, at the beginning of the movie in Miles's universe, there is just regular Spider-Man played by Chris Pine, who seems to be basically the Toby Spider-Man. Yeah. The universe is a little different as we see throughout, but we see him reenact a lot of the scenes from the Toby Maguire movie. So I think that is what he's primarily based on. Including a great joke about the dance scene from the third one. Yeah, that stuff is so good. I think that's it. I think that's the whole crew. So let me ask Emmett, just just asking, do you have a favorite? If you had to pick a favorite other than Miles of this ragtag group of spider people, who's the standout to you? Oh, it's it's difficult. Mm-hmm. I think it's got to be noir Spider-Man. I think it's got to be Nicolas Cage. As yes. as black and white Spider Man, <laughs> I love it. It's it's so crazy. It's so insane. He's so good. And I bet that wasn't a character that they had had written. They were just like, we want to get Nicolas Cage in for this movie, uh, and we'll basically do whatever Spider Man he wants to do. And that's the character that he came up with uh, to play. Yeah, he says, "We don't pick the ballroom. We just dance." <laughs> He's so good. What else? He says, sometimes I light matches down to my thumb just to feel something. (laughs) He's basically like Batman, Spider-Man, kind of. But I agree, he is really, he's such a standout. Who who would you say? I love the animation on Penny Parker. Um, It's more sort of like anime stylized than anything else in the movie. And I feel like that stuff is really cool. Obviously, Peter Porker. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. John Mulaney doing great work. I mean, I guess also obviously, but Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker, like the schlubby, older, sad version of Spider-Man who basically has a redemption arc in this. I mean, I think that he is so good in this vocal performance. Really makes yeah. the movie. Yeah, truly. Well, let me tell you a little thing about what the story of this is. Basically, you got this kid. His name is Miles. He goes to an elite school. His parents are both, they're hardworking people who save lives in the, you know, like the, the real life hero type New York City thing, right? His dad's it's kind of like a hard ass and, you know, he's going to school. And then all of a sudden, one day he witnesses a, a horrible crime. He gets bitten by a spider. He's like, what's going on? He's going to search for the name that he saw on imprinted on the spider, maybe. And then he's there and he sees Spider-Man get killed. Uh, and with his dying words, Spider-Man is like, I can tell that you have the spider power too. like 
promise me that you'll stop whatever is about to happen. Well, he tries and zap a bunch of spider people come. Boom. There's a bunch of spider people. Um, They're fighting with Kingpin. Kingpin is trying to bring back his family in this weird Hadron Collider that's going to bring them back from across the multiverse. And basically, Spider-Man is going to try and send everybody back to the universe that they came from because it turns out people don't survive so well outside of their home dimension. So all of these spider people are going to die if he doesn't somehow get them back. Miles is the weakest. He's the newest of the spider people. Um, and they kind of look down on him. They like want to bring him along, but they don't think he's capable. And Peter B. Parker is going to sacrifice himself to allow the other spider people to get back while he stays behind and like vaporizes instead of what would make more sense is miles who is from that dimension to send them all back. Finally, miles breaks free. He has his hero moment. He takes his leap of faith. He goes, he rescues them. He sends them all back to the right dimensions and then has a badass showdown fight with Kingpin wins and doesn't kill Kingpin puts him up in a web. Yeah. Like a classic friendly neighborhood. Spider-Man has a truly touching scene with his dad and also the, that great moment with his uncle earlier in the, in the movie. Bing, bang, boom. Coolest Spider-Man ever. And also like one of the most touching messages at the end ever for a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Just wonderful all around. I agree. And I think I already know the answer, but uh, flopper Bob. Emmett. Bob, baby. Bob. How about for you? Bob, for me, I love this movie. I think it's absolutely my favorite of all the Spider-Man movies we've watched so far. It has like all of the like pure Spider-Man ingredients. And yet it also feels really fresh with this like soundtrack. It feels a lot more modern. It's set in Brooklyn and not in Queens. I think it's a pretty Mm -hmm. good Brooklyn movie. Although obviously all the Aunt May stuff is set in Queens and that stuff is really fun. There's also like all of this revolutionary animation stuff going on. Yeah. Looks like a comic book and doesn't look like every single other Disney Pixar movie, you know, and is like actually doing something radically different. And that stuff is like the cherry on top to this already incredible story and characters in the movie. It's truly gorgeous to behold. And the part where he's the part where he finally like jumps off the tallest building in in New York and he's like first he's like falling crazily and then it does that like crazy panel across yes. where it's boom 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 and he's like falling straight down and then it like flips and he's falling he's like flying up towards the that is crazy. That's what that's like why mm-hmm. animated movies are better at action than live action action movies are because you can do stuff mm-hmm. like that if you're inventive enough and like creative enough to like think of it and pull it off in a cool like just like a totally rad way which they definitely do i love all that stuff i love the last like basically the final fight with him in kingpin is just like lights and sound and fury like it doesn't look like anything else it's just <laughs> like this like cosmic a thing of different colors, like just huge colored dots that they're like flashing in and out of and are circling all around them as they're like floating through time and space. And it's so overwhelming and exciting and visually interesting, basically. Yeah. 
But damn, was there any behind the scenes? Yeah, I read a little bit about the animation. Uh, there is a lot, and I do not understand all of it. So, like, there are basically a ton of stuff they like pioneered to do the animation in this movie. It was done by Sony Pictures Image Works, who are like the the Sony Pictures animated team. I guess they also worked on the CGI for the live action Spider Man movies. Oh. Well. Two two different techniques they did. Just small examples of the many things they did. One of them is that there are different... Some of the characters are animated at different speeds, like different frames per second, depending on like where they are in the story and which shot they're in. So like standard, all TV and film is shot at 24 frames per second. Uh-huh. But there are like parts of this movie where Miles is 12 frames per second. And so he's like a little bit slower than everyone else. And then like once he gets his powers, he moves up into 24 frames a second. Whoa. And starts moving at like the same fluid motion as everyone else. That's crazy. Yeah. Damn. I also read that they they didn't use motion blur, which is like basically what every animated movie has used since like the 90s on today. And instead they use this technique called motion smearing, which is how they used to do Looney Tunes hand-drawn cartoons back in the 40s. And that's kind of why like it looks much more like crunchy and fluid. You know, like you can always kind of tell that things are moving at a different speed than everything around them. And that's like something they specifically did to be like hand-drawn cartoons instead of like CGI animated video games. I notice sometimes that it looks like that it looks like it's animated in such a way that the foreground is in focus and the background isn't, which usually in animated stuff, everything can be in the same focus because you don't have a lens. But it yeah. like made it almost like more realistic in some ways. Yeah. Like not more realistic, but like felt more like a camera. Mm-hmm. It's also a lot of it is trying to emulate the art style of Sarah Pacelli, who is the original artist on the Miles Morales comics. Mm. Her and Brian Michael Bendis. If you have the opportunity to read any of their stuff, it's it's really good. I read their line for a while and uh Sarah Pacelli's art is really good and looks a lot like this movie. I mean, the whole MO of the movie, I guess, was trying to like make it look like her art style. Yeah. How about the villain report? In this movie, we've got a few. I'm going to start with Kingpin, an absolute unit of a man, very messed up that he has lost his family. So he's going to open a portal to a different universe in the multiverse and pull different versions of his family members through and sort of kidnap them and bring them against their will into our universe to live as one happy family again until they see him and are horrified at what he's become sound familiar we may uh talk about this exact plot line again in a couple months for multiverse of madness but anyway oh yeah Oh, I forgot about that. Wait, we're not going to have to talk about Multiverse of Madness, are we? We said we would. We committed to it. Did we really? It's not a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's not in it at all. Well, we said we were going to do it for the X-Men. We said we were going to do it as God. the X-Men <laughs> connection. Oh, God. Middling at best. That... that 
that movie also steals the cool ass like the cool ass like dimension fight between Doctor Strange and Spider Man. No, wait, no, it doesn't. That's the that's the other one. Uh, we we were actually going to talk about that movie, so I should shut up. Oh yeah, but it does like have a similar vibe. That's No Way Home, which steals a lot from this movie. Yeah. Okay, but back to this movie, Kingpin Emmett. Do you know? Played by your favorite actor, Liev Schreiber. I did. I did know. I saw it. I was like, why did I like that guy so much? And then it came up in the credits. I was like, oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense now. It's a good villain archetype. A pained madman archetype. But also, like, he lost his family because he was already a dick so it's like how bad do we really feel for him either not bad so it's like wow we can understand why he's doing it we're also like you're just terrible and spider-man doesn't does at least the world the favor of not killing kingpin and letting him face justice at the hands of whomever else yeah. What about the Prowler? Is that the name of um, Uncle Aaron's character? Yeah, I think he's really good. I think his relationship with his brother is really rich, and I love that they just mm. like let that sort of exist, even though it isn't. Even in moments when Miles isn't there, like when we see the dad making the phone call, and you hear a little bit how Uncle Aaron talks about him, you know, about mm. he's like he started doing the comp thing, and I don't know. I mean, I think it's a really good performance. I think the Prowler is like a very visually inventive to like cool character in this. Mm. I think he's good. And I think he also is like genuinely scary before we realize that he's Uncle Aaron. Like they do yeah. a really good job of setting up the Prowler and Uncle Aaron as separate characters before yeah. you realize that they're one in the same. And that yeah. helps things. That scene in the house is so tense. That's so good. When he's getting chased, he's gone over to Uncle Aaron's apartment. He almost gets found out. Mm-hmm. That part is just like so tense and the visual on it is so cool. The fact also, I feel like we haven't mentioned this. This Spider-Man can turn invisible and has electric shocks in his fingers. What do you think about that? I don't know any spiders that can do that, but mm-hmm. I guess you wouldn't and that's what's so horrifying about it (laughs) i think it's really cool i've only really read the miles comics so i did know that like that's his thing going in but it is a very cool thing to have on top of already having the spider powers you know turning invisible is another very useful superpower to toss on top and when he finally does the when he does the shoulder touch Oh, yeah, that's so good. I love that everything comes back around in the end of the movie. Like, the shoulder touch comes back around. Basically, oh, and the um, look at the hands, don't look at the mouth. Mm -hmm. Like, everything that's set up early in the movie becomes an integral part of that ending, which I love. How about Doc Ock, here played by Catherine Hahn as Olivia Octavius? Okay, (laughs) This, this villain, incredible. I love these weird octopus arms. They're somehow (laughs) even freakier than Doc Ock's arms are normally. She's got classic mad scientist goggles and mad scientist hair. 
It's uh, pretty awesome. At first, she's like, oh, she's a normal, she's just a normal scientist. She just wants what's best. And then, no, she's absolutely horrible and just as bad as, as Kingpin. She's great. I love that the arms look like plastic tubes, almost. They're like very weird, different type of arms, but I think they're super cool. A little small detail in here that I've always loved that I want to call out. Early on, she says, uh, my friends call me Liv, my enemies call me Doc Ock. And when she shows up at Aunt May's house, Aunt May says, oh, great, it's Liv, which is fun. And I think is a little reference, one, to Well, I think it's a little reference to the fact that in the comics, Aunt May and Otto Octavius have a fling and uh, spend some time in a relationship and I think that's also because Lily Tomlin is playing Aunt May in this. And she is like one of the first out actresses in Hollywood, like back in the 70s, has been around forever. So I don't know. That's just a little background detail, but I've always liked that's it. That's cool. And it is part of the Catherine Hanassons that was, I believe, first sparked by WandaVision. Yes, of course. And you know someone else who's having a great year who's in this is uh, Zoe Kravitz, who plays MJ, I think, in both oh. universes. And you know who else? This scorpion guy and the dude with blue-gray skin and white hair. What's mm-hmm. up with them? Who are they? What are they doing? In this? Yeah, I was trying to figure out who he is because he's, he's obviously some specific bad guy from the comics but i don't know who he was i don't think he talks the gray one or the scorpion the gray guy because the scorpion guy is just the scorpion he's actually in homecoming too for a minute as like the guy in prison um and you've also got the green goblin as like this huge hulking actual goblin yeah i forgot about that yeah okay okay this great guy is called tombstone oh Hell yeah. Tombstone and I used to be in a band in high school, but then he got weird. Started working (laughs) for Kingpin. Another small behind the scenes thing. They pitched, Lord and Miller pitched a scene that was going to have, you know, in animation, Toby, Andrew, and Tom all show up as their Spider-Mans. More, I think, in like a quick joke aside. Yeah. In this movie too. And Sony was like, no, you can't use them. Damn. Ask us why in a couple years. Damn. Okay, MVP, MVP of this whole huge cast we've been talking about, Emmett. Other than Miles Morales, who is your MVP of this movie? Okay, it's got to be Uncle Aaron. Then Uncle Aaron slash the Prowler. Several cool chase mm. sequences. Dope character as the villain, and then just really heart wrenching stuff with him as the you know as his uncle the moment on the roof when he's shot by Kingpin after refusing to kill his nephew and then Miles dragging him away the scene right after with the dad I mean all that stuff just really it hits hard you know when he's like you're the best of us Miles and telling him to go it's like that's mm-hmm. super sad Marshall Ali one of the greatest living actors yeah how about you Oh, I mean, this is one of those ones where it could literally be, you know, we could literally just do the cast report and go character by character and talk about how they're all great. So it's tough. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. One I don't think gets a lot of attention, who I'm going to pick as my MVP, is 
Chris Pine as the original Peter Parker in Miles' universe, who dies at the beginning. Uh-huh. I think it's a really good performance. He introduces the movie doing basically the thing that like all the Toby movies would do, where they're like, wow, I'm Spider-Man. Here's how it works. <laughs> and then you see a little montage or something. I think his scene with Miles is really affecting and really great. I think he does such a good job like conveying like the perfect Spider-Man in a three minute scene, you know, especially for like an older Spider-Man, you know, he's kind of doing what Tom Holland does in civil war where like they've distilled it all down to this one little thing. But as like the adult married competent Spider-Man who has like a huge lab and is like an established crime fighter, I feel like he's really great. And I love him also singing all the Christmas songs. I feel like that adds a lot to the movie. Yeah, that is hilarious. And we couldn't pick him, but shout out to Shamik Moore playing Miles Morales uh, from Dope and the Get Down. Shamik, it's a really good young kid performance, too. I feel like there's so much energy that he brings to Miles. I love the voice he does when he's talking to his dad at the end, like the deep voice that he's doing when he's like trying to pretend (laughs) Spider-Man is somebody other than him, who it obviously is. Yes. It's like doing some like wacko version of his uncle. <laughs> when he first captures Peter B. Parker and he's like, I've got some questions. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, and his suit, incredibly cool. Oh yeah, the suit is so cool. And with like the spray paint logo on it. Yeah. Is awesome. Shout out to Haley Steinfeld too, who I know is mm just in everything these days, but as Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman, I think is her name in her universe. She's also so good in that part. Okay, final thoughts. Emma, any final thoughts? This movie just totally rocks. I think it might be in the one of my favorite movies that we've ever covered for the podcast, ever. It's just very fun. Go watch it if you haven't already. Go rewatch it if you haven't done it anytime recently. Wade, final thoughts? Yeah, I'd echo it completely. It's it's an incredible movie. Definitely go check it out if you haven't. As we said, not a lot of people saw it in theaters, so I think the more attention we can shine on it, the better. The post credit scene is my favorite actor, Oscar Isaac, showing up as Spider-Man 2099, so that's exciting stuff. They are working on two sequels. We actually, originally this series was going to end with us watching the sequel to this movie, and then it got pushed to next year. But they've got Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse coming out next year in June. The year after that, they're doing Beyond the Spider-Verse. They've got big plans for this universe. I hope it uh, lives up to the heights of this movie. That would be incredible. I, I hope so. Okay. A quiz. I'm going to try and speed round this quiz as fast as possible. I think it's actually a pretty easy one. This movie in 2018 won Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards. I was going to look at the other films of the 2010s that won Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards. The first film from 2010 is a threequel in the critically acclaimed animated movie series. It's the one that made everyone cry. Is it Toy Story 3? It is 
Toy Story 3. Uh, the next year, this is a movie directed by Gore Vabinsky. It's about a weird little lizard, I think. I don't it's really know. Rango. But... It's incredible. <laughs> that is correct. The next movie, this is maybe the one I feel that holds up the least well. This is uh, like a Scottish fantasy princess movie. Brave? It is Brave. And next up is another movie from Disney. This is like the only thing that kids talked about for the rest of the decade. From which one? It's also a fantasy movie. It's from 2013. It's another Disney princess musical. Oh, Frozen. Yes. Uh, 2014, I would say the most obscure one. This is a Marvel superhero movie, but from a very obscure set of characters. It's like a team of weirdo kid superheroes. Oh, it's uh, Big Hero 6. An incredible movie that I was reminded of by this movie at some points. Yeah, I see. I see those similarities. Um, I watched Big Hero 6 because my little brother told me it was his favorite movie of all time. And then I watched it and I was like, hmm, (laughs) if you've seen that movie, you might know what I'm talking about. Uh, The next film is uh, a Pixar movie. This is like the start of their sort of like run of existential big concepts like movies about feelings and spaces and human existence is this wally uh no that's that's a good point maybe that is the one this is a movie that takes place inside the head of a young girl is this inside out that is correct it is inside out um, we've just got three more. 2016, this is one we recently had. It's a bums the word answer. It's got some shaky metaphors, but it's like a fun town adventure uh, buddy cop film. Oh, Zootopia. Bada boom, bada big. That is correct. 2017 is another Pixar movie. This is maybe one that people think is Disney, but it is Pixar. It's kind of a musical. It's about a specific culture, as Disney movies are, and a young boy who wants to get more in touch with his family ends up going into the spirit realm to connect with them. Oh, 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 oh. Is this... Oh, what was it? I know it had to do with the Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what was it called? Damn it. Uh, was, it the, was it the kid's name? It's not the kid's Was name. Was it somebody's name? It's a four-letter word. It's similar to Vivo, but not that. All right, I'm going to call it. This is Coco. Coco, of course. Coco is 2017. Into the Spider-Verse is 2018. And the last movie of the decade, sort of a benchmark with the same one from 2010. This is the fourth movie in the critically acclaimed series. Some would say we didn't need it, but it came and it's still kind of good. Is that uh, Toy Story 4? That is indeed Toy Story 4. Those are the 2010s winners. Best animated feature. I feel like wow. I, I could pretty confidently say that's Damn. Into the Spider-Verse Did- is my favorite of all those 10 movies. 
of all of those, yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty easy call. I do like Zootopia and Toy Story Three. Okay, well, Emmett, we are going to get back to our Spider-Man series in two weeks when we cover Avengers Endgame. But next week, that's right, baby. The year is up, if you can believe it. Next week, we are watching Jordan Peele's No. Oh, the spine tingles. I am horrified and delighted. I cannot wait. Counting down in days now rather than in weeks. Truly, it's been a torturous wait. But soon we will know know all there is to know. (laughs) Until then, dear listeners, stay frosted. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.